Welcome to Ronnie Phillips Podcast. This message is made possible by the partners of Abba's House Media. Help us continue to share this message around the world about how to live free and fully alive. Visit abbashouse.com slash partner to learn more. And before you leave, be sure and subscribe to Pastor Ronnie's YouTube channel. Now, here's Pastor Ronnie Phillips. Excited to be closing this series out this morning on the unveiled calling of the seven churches of Revelation. I hope it's been a great blessing to you. I felt the anointing on every message, felt the power, and I really believe God has shifted things, which is really what I had in mind last year when I planned this series was that God would shift our church into the type of church he had called us to be, which is a house of grace. You're going to be blessed. Give God some praise. I like it. Go ahead and give God some praise. You're going to be even more blessed next week when you hear Dr. Randall Collins tie all of those churches in together and give you a little bit more in the book of Revelation. He is a tremendous Bible scholar, uh, and he's my friend and one of my most valued mentors, and he's going to be taking this a step further next week. And I promise you, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be powerful. And uh, I know Doc is in here today, and I call him Doc, and uh, you will be blessed by the revelation he releases because all of these seven churches, they all tie into the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you're going to be amazed at what's unveiled to you next week. So I encourage you to be faithful next week. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. If you have your Bibles with you, you have your Bible app on your phone, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3 beginning with verse 14. We're going to get right into it. The title of my message this morning is The Promise for the Overcomer. While you're turning there, I want to tell you what it is to be an overcomer. The definition of an overcomer is to get the better of in a struggle or a conflict. To get the better of someone or something in a struggle or a conflict. It means to conquer, to defeat, to overcome the enemy. Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. I'm going to dedicate this message to my father this morning. Um, because he is an overcomer. He is an overcomer. We are now seeing in our own denomination people who came against the move of the Spirit here that came against women being in ministry. They're being exposed. And their ministries are ending in failure because I'm telling you, make no mistake about it, by that same measure you judge someone else, you will be judged. And if you try to ruin somebody, God will make sure you end your ministry in ruin. That's why we need to keep our mouths off the things of God and off the people of God. So this is dedicated to him. The lukewarm church and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the amen. The word amen means truth. When you hear somebody say amen... That means they're hearing truth and they're applauding, they're applauding that truth, okay? These things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's pleasant. We'll get better as we go along. Because you say I am rich have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched. The word wretched in the Greek means to be wounded from a battle. You are wretched, you are wounded from a battle, you are miserable, you are poor, 
you are blind and you are naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Everybody say invest. God pays attention to what you invest in. He says, I encourage you to buy gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Everyone say vision. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous, passionate, on fire, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him Dine with him and he with me. Now here we go. The promise for the overcomer. To him who overcomes. Everybody say, that's me. I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. During my freshman year in high school, I was asked to share my testimony at a youth rally in Cookville, Tennessee. There were many other students invited to share their testimony at this particular youth rally. There were about 800 people there. Now, I hadn't had time, as they say in the religious world, to really build my testimony yet. I'm nearly 40 and still building my testimony, okay? But I had some sin in my life. I had over came a few things in my early life, and I took this invitation to speak at this particular youth rally very seriously. Before I was to share my testimony, as a freshman in high school, an upperclassman that I, I knew shared his testimony before me, and he brought up a story that I was involved in from a summer camp that particular summer. It was a summer sports camp. During that sports camp, some of the upperclassmen decided to show a pornographic video at this particular camp. And many of us at that camp watched the video for at least 15 minutes. Some left, but it was a shameful thing that we all did. This particular individual that was sharing his testimony before me was involved in that particular story. But I was dumbfounded and amazed at the version of the story he shared because it was not the one I remembered. He shared this story that he stood up for righteousness like a modern-day Martin Luther, that he stood up, he, he rebuked everyone and said God would not be pleased with this, and he stomped out of the room. I guess that was one of the first ministry grievances I had as a young man because I really believe that people want to write their own versions of themselves. A version to where God can't get the glory. I was so dumbfounded and angered at the hypocrisy that I just heard, I completely forgot what I was going to say next. So I stood up behind this young man who was very sheltered, and I simply admitted to the crowd that I had watched it and that I hadn't been a strong Christian and that many of them probably had made some similar mistakes 
And if they would ask Jesus Christ to forgive them, he would. And God would do a great work in their life. And the altars flooded with young men and women who were struggling in the area of what they'd watched. But I, I struggled with this particular moment because it was lukewarm. It was confusing. It was churchy Christianity. It was like the Laodicean church. He had written a version that made him sound like some kind of righteous martyr when in fact he was just as guilty as the rest of us in the room. And when I was preparing on the Laodicean church, it reminded me of many church acting people from coast to coast. They don't want to be real up here and they don't want to be real out there. They're not hot, they're not cold, they're lukewarm. They're looking for applause, they're looking for affirmation. They're looking for someone to say, you're a great Christian. But the reality is that none of us are worthy without the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need the power of Pentecost on and in our lives. And that happens when we become vulnerable and we admit that we brought baggage in here this morning that God needs to clean up, that God needs to cleanse, that we need a new start, a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. That only happens when we take our mask off and we're real with one another and the church culture will not change into a house of grace until it's a place where we can confess our sins one to another without worrying about the person sitting to our right or our left judging us for what they've just seen or heard from us. God is transforming this place into a house of grace where people can be real. And I'm thankful for that. What does it mean to be lukewarm? I believe the first thing is that you've adopted some form of religion to get you by, but you're not really saved. The late W.A. Crystal said, Pastor Emeritus from First Baptist Dallas said, he thought 60% of the people in churches weren't even saved. Billy Graham said something very similar. See, being saved isn't learning how to talk the talk and walk the walk and wear the mask. Being saved means you admit you are a sinner. You acknowledge that you are imperfect. You acknowledge that you are a mess without Jesus Christ. It means you have gotten to a place where you stop looking at everyone else and you look at yourself and you say, I'm wretched, poor, naked, and blind. And when you do that, God looks down from glory and says, now I can use that person and get the glory. See, God wants to look down and at someone that's not worthy and he wants to use them so that he can get the glory. I'm living proof of that and so are you. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We'll talk about the will of God Wednesday. But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, other scriptures said, haven't you prophesied in my name and preached in my name and done miracles in my name? And he'll say, depart from me. I, I never knew you. I pray that we haven't 
learned a written and rehearsed version to get us by that our religion and our relationship with God is authentic. That it's authentic, that it's passionate, and that it's real. What else does it mean to be lukewarm? I believe it's when personal destiny is more important than self-sacrifice and surrendering to God's will. When your relationship with God or His church is about prospering or promoting you, then that's lukewarm. Your vision's not big enough. It, it doesn't involve other people. There's no sacrifice. There's no service. There's no submission in a vision like that. Now, God does want to bless your life. Now, God does want to prosper you and promote you. I'm not against some of that. But he wants to do those things for you so you can become a better witness, a faithful and true witness. Not lukewarm, but a faithful and true witness in the kingdom of God. What else does it mean? As I said, it means people have a written and rehearsed version of themselves and there's no room for God in them. It's fleshly, it's fake, and it's false. It creates a false witness and it doesn't bear good fruit. Man, it's quiet in here. A Christianity that is not authentic will result in a spiritless, passionless, lukewarm social club. I, I want real every time. I've had the privilege to be raised in Southern Baptist hierarchy and in Holy Ghost hierarchy. And I'll be honest... I've seen politics in both. I've seen fake in both. So I'm at the place in my life where whether it's Holy Ghost, whether it's evangelical, I just want real. I just want real. This particular church started out with the fullness of God's power at Laodicea. But now a generation had died and the younger generation was living off the investments of the previous generation. I pray that we'll never become that kind of church. It's time prophetically for the 55 and under crowd in this house to step up in the area of service, in the area of giving, in the area of faithfulness. It's time for a generation to rise. We can't live off what God did in the past. That doesn't mean we're forsaking our seniors. God forbid. They're paying the bills. We wouldn't have put a senior adult facility on the property if we didn't want senior adults here. I wouldn't have visited two houses the other night of senior adults that have been visiting if I didn't want senior adults. What I'm trying to tell you, senior adults, and you'll appreciate this, is I'm trying to challenge the younger generation so you'll have to stop paying the bills. You can enjoy life a little bit, amen? We need all generations. Old men dreaming dreams. Young men seeing visions. The Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters, Baptists, not just sons. The power of God moving in a powerful, powerful way. The Laodicean church got to a place where they were just simply enjoying the fact that they were better than the world. They were comfortable in the fact that they were better. They had more. They looked better that they didn't associate with the common folks. There was a sense of arrogance about them. May we never become arrogant in this house. 
But our text says that they were far off from the heart of God. They were far off. Yes, you have to be separate from the world in many ways, but you can also be the salt of it and the light of it. You can do both. If you're not strong enough to handle the temptations from the world, stay away from it. But once you get strong enough through the power of the Holy Spirit, start shining your light in dark places. Start preserving that which is good. So I want to release three promises for the overcomer this morning. It says there at the end, To him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne. So also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So basically, if God overcame, you can overcome. The church at Laodicea was confused about a number of things. A number of things. First, they were confused doctrinally. We don't have that problem here at Adam's house. But they were close to the Colossian church. One of my favorite epistles in the New Covenant, the first one I ever preached through, love it. Seth said last week, if you can't preach Colossians 3, you can't preach, you know. Everybody ought to be able to preach that. But I tell you, the problem going on in that particular church was a thing called Gnosticism, where they didn't believe Christ uh, was raised from the dead bodily. They thought he was some kind of a phantom or a ghost. They, they believed there were many paths to heaven. They were truth seekers. They didn't believe that God was who his word says he was. They didn't believe the eyewitness testimony of God's people that he'd been raised from the dead. It's like the culture in which we live in. These people were ghost chasers. Not holy ghost chasers. They were ghost chasers. And we have that. We have a lot of super spirituals that are chasing the next word, the next revelation, the next weird thing when Jesus stands right in front of them trying to do something authentic. But they would rather chase a ghost or chase something that's already been said, done, prophesied, paid for, and promised. You know, the super spiritual movement is hurting the church because people believe that there's always more. And there is always more with Jesus, but there's these people like these Gnostics that think there's always some new level of weird that they, that they can attain that other people can't. It's snobbery at its finest. It's prideful. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And the one thing that has happened to this church is we've gotten a reputation because of the great theology that's been preached here, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we attract weird people that want to go deeper, man. And I thank God for that. We've got outlets for that. Bob's got an outlet over there in the healing rooms. We've got Holy Ghost stuff's going on here. But I'm telling you, if you can't lead someone to Jesus, I'm not interested in your next chase for something weird. This whole country needs Jesus now more than ever. And if a church is to survive, they're going to have to tell somebody about Jesus. Go to where the people are. Go to where the students are. Go to where the kids are. Go to where the adults are. Tell somebody about Jesus about Jesus. So there are promises released. The first is a promise of a clear mind. Here's a promise for the overcomer. 
the promise of a clear mind. How many of you say, I'd like to have a clear mind? It says here that Jesus is the truth. That's what the word amen means. He wasn't the first thing created, the Bible says, but he was the origin of all creation. So they were confused doctrinally. They were confused about who Jesus really was. They were confused about God's version of success, like many of our church friends in this nation are today. They were rich and prosperous and thought that was enough to get them through life. This church had become arrogant. How many of you know wealthy people that are unhappy? There are many unhappy wealthy people. You can have all that this world has to offer, but friend, you're not taking it with you. You're not taking it with you, so you better invest. That's when what Jesus says here in this text. He said, buy gold from me that's been refined in the fire. Basically, Jesus is saying, invest in me, my bride, my body, my kingdom work, my words. Invest your life in me, and you'll receive an eternal reward. But everybody's trying to get theirs. And it says there in verse 17, because you say I am rich have become wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Miserable speaks to an unclear mind, to an anxiety and depression-filled mind. They were also confused in the area of identity. They were confused in the area of identity. This is what it says in verse 19 of our text. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Now Hebrews 12, verse 8. Now we're going King James here. So y'all don't send me an email. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye... There we go, thank you. You'll get in trouble, not me. And not sons. Now, to be spiritually correct, I'm going to say illegitimate the rest of the way. But y'all remember that word. Put it back up there, Scott. Scott's nervous. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about that word. First, I've learned you can't do nothing with one. You can't promote one. You can't hire one. You can't covenant with one. You can't trust one. You just can't. You can't do nothing with one. But I've also learned it takes one to know one. It takes one to know one because my Bible says in Job, Naked I came in this world and naked will I leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what you don't understand is we all came into this world right here. We all came into this world as one. You say, I had a good daddy. So did I. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritually. We all came into this world without a covering. But the moment you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, he is the way to the Father, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. 
As long as someone stays as an orphan or illegitimate, you can't do anything with them. You can't bring them on your staff. You can't hire them in your business. You can't trust them as a friend. You certainly can't marry them. You can't depend on them. You can't grow your church with them. But as soon as they recognize who they are and who they need, Abba, Father, who sent his son in the fullness of time, the firstborn over all creation, they gain a covering and a confidence that will carry them throughout their entire life and into eternity. Next thing I've learned is there's hope for one. There's hope for the illegitimate. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Glory to God. Aren't you thankful you've been adopted? I'm thankful that I got a daddy. Amen. You've got a daddy, an earthly daddy. When it says it takes one to know one, look at all the people in the Bible that operated with an orphan spirit. Look at King David. Mother ran around. Daddy was ashamed of him. Look at the mother of Jesus. Jesus knew what it felt like to be looked at as an earthly illegitimate, but it didn't matter because he was spiritually legitimate because his father put a seed in a virgin's womb. So it takes one to know one, but there's hope. You don't have to stay in that state the rest of your life. You can be something. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. This is Abba's house, man. This is the house of grace. This is where those that are illegitimate become legitimate. This is places for all people. Red, yellow, black, and white. Rich, poor. Wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. It's for everybody. May we not be lukewarm. May we not make Jesus' stomach turn. May we have the authentic power of God on our lives. That's what it means when it... It talks about lukewarm. It was a, it, the water that got to Laodicea had to come from Hierapolis through a six-mile aqueduct. And by the time it got there, it was dirty, man. Nobody wanted to drink it. If you drank it, it'd make you vomit. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's why you need to go to the Holy Land because you can see firsthand when he preached, he preached about stuff that was going on that was right around him. He said, I'll vomit you out of my mouth because he knew that to be an overcomer you didn't just need the promise of a clear mind number two you needed the promise of fire the one way to get rid of impurities in water is fire you gotta boil that stuff man I'm going to preach at some Pentecostal churches this summer man I can't wait to high kick talk about the fire man I love preaching in those churches man no matter if there's 50 people, man, they pull the preach out of you. I preach all night. I love it. But I'm telling you, if you want the impurities out of your life, you need the fire of God. You need the refining fire. You need the fire that Elijah knew about. You need the one John the Baptist talked about. He said, I baptize with water, but one's coming after me 
whose sandals I'm not worthy to lose that'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. Make fun of people that have got it all you want. I'd rather have fire than be lukewarm. I'd rather believe God for fire than walk around here lukewarm. We need the fire of God on our lives. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Oh, I'm telling you, we need the fire of God in our lives. Fire represents God's presence. How many of you need God's presence in your life? Fire is used to refine, purify, cleanse, and form. Fire was used to offer sacrifices to the Lord. It represents worship. Worship is not about style. My dad's been preaching this 20 years and no one listens. It's not about style. It's getting in a place with God where you lay your stuff at his feet, where you kiss toward, where you have intimacy with the Father. Fire was a requirement for the priest, which means now that you are priest and you're part of God's priesthood, fire is required for you. You got to have the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire was a requirement not only for the priest, it was mandated at Pentecost. When it came on them as tongues of fire. I don't know about you, but I need the fire. Final promise for the overcomer. It's a promise of faith, purity, and vision. He says, buy from me, which means invest in me. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Gold represents faith. Everybody say faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says that faith is more precious than gold. So you've been through hell and back. Somebody say, I've been through the fire. You're refined. You've been changed. You've been cleansed. The impurities are gone. Now you have faith that can move a mountain. Just keep believing. Everybody say, don't stop believing. Might play some journey up here. Glory to God. Don't stop believing, man. You have a faith that's been tested and tried, and now you stand alone as gold in the kingdom of God. It says, white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. I don't have time to go back to Genesis and deal with that. The first sign of shame was nakedness. They covered the nakedness in shame, Adam and Eve. Not only are you promised faith, you're promised purity. The fire of God will make you pure. And when it talks about white garments, it, it, it doesn't have no spots on them. It doesn't have dust from the road. It's not torn from the fight. It's pure. When God does something, it'll be pure. When man does something, it'll be dirty. How do you know when to recognize an authentic move of God? Is it pure? Everybody say pure. pure. And then it says I salve, which talks about vision. And it's healing from spiritual blindness, which is what they had, which is why they were lukewarm. One of my favorite miracles of Jesus in Mark chapter 8 is when he leads the blind man outside of the village of Bethsaida and he spits in the guy's face. 
Don't you love that? How many of y'all to hang around for that? He spits in the guy's face, said, can you see anything? He says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So he goes through the same process again. And the guy receives his miracle. And I preach that like this, that if you're going to follow God, and if you're going to be an overcomer, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to find God. It doesn't really matter how you find Him. People can lead you to Him, even the wrong kinds of people. It doesn't matter how you find Him, but you've got to find Him. It says, seek and you will find. Then you've got to free yourself from the expectations of others. Jesus, what I love about this miracle, man, is He, t- he takes <laughs> the people that led Him there. He can't receive a miracle because of the people that brought Him. Not everybody that came with you is going to go with you. Not everybody that came with you is going to go with you. Not everybody that came with you is going to go with you. Good people. But they couldn't go to the next place Jesus had for this guy. He had to get them out of the town. He had to lead this man away from the people that brought him there to do a miracle. See, you've tried to hang on to people forever, and all they were supposed to do was get you in the presence. They weren't supposed to go with you to the next level. And you're trying to hang on to the wrong kinds of people. But I'm telling you, Jesus was willing to lead, but this man was, was willing to follow. You've got to find him. You've got to free yourself from the expectations of others, but you've got to follow Jesus into the unknown. You've got to follow him into the unknown. You want a miracle in your life? You've got to follow him. You want to believe God for something in your life? You've got to follow him. That's faith. That's gold. That leads to purity. It's the promise of an overcomer that God can give you back your fire and clear your mind and give you the faith that you need to press on. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is certainly an evangelistic end to this message, and I don't want to miss an opportunity here with God, but I don't know what you're going through this morning, but if you'll follow Jesus into the unknown, he'll change your life. He'll forgive your sins. He'll give you a purpose. He'll give you a destiny. He'll clean your life up. And everything that your heart desires from him, he will do those things in accordance with his will. You have to be willing to follow. He's ready to lead you. Will you follow him? If you don't know Jesus Christ and you're watching on the internet, Well, you're here this morning. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you're lost this morning, if you're lukewarm, and you don't know that you've ever truly been saved, I'm telling you, this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. I beg of you, receive Jesus as Lord. How do I do that, Pastor Ronnie? The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer. And Abbott's house, if you could help me, that'll encourage someone who's watching online or in the house today to pray it with us. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. With every head bowed and eye closed, you prayed that prayer the Bible says your sins are forgiven you're born again but the Bible says you need to confess that in front of men we're not going to parade you up here 
I just want you to come to one of these pastors and say, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. And they're going to pray with you. They're going to hug your neck. Maybe you want to connect with God's body, which is his church. You want to connect with Abba's house. You do that today. You come down. You say, I want to come in covenant with God today. I'm an overcomer. I want to be with some other overcomers. You come today and do that. Maybe you need the fire of Pentecost on your life. Maybe you need that fire. It's one thing to preach about it. It's one thing to teach about it. But how about you receive it by faith today, the fire of Pentecost. They know how to pray it on you. You just come by faith and let God do the rest. Stand on your feet as we worship Him today. If you need a miracle, if you need healing, you need salvation, you need to connect with this church, you come now. and You receive the fire of God, the power of God, the grace of God. You come get what you need today. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor Ronnie's message. Connect with us at abbashouse.com or ronniephillips.org. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If it has, please subscribe to our podcast. You can invest in helping others live free and fully alive by giving at abbashouse.com slash give. Thanks for listening.